Nerds International proudly presents Welcome to the 3T RPG podcast, a podcast all about tabletop RPGs. My name is Harrison Hunt, and with me is Nick Lamley. Howdy, cowboys and girls. And of course, today we've got a special ghost. His name is James Clark. <laughs> Sup? Sup, bitches? I'm back. Just use profanity. <laughs> all right. Um, so this is a um, tabletop RPG podcast all about tabletop RPGs. One thing you've got to bear in mind is there's builders doing work on the flats next to mine. So if you hear terrible music or, hey, hey, fucking hell, then you know what that is. Today we're going to do feedback. We've got the main subject, which is going to be running an online convention. And we're going to kind of talk about the games we played at the convention as well. And then we're going to end with your electro letters, with your uh, Savage Con memories of this year. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that's pretty much it. It's going to be a very Savage Con heavy episode. Oh, but bear in mind, you know, if if you didn't go, don't worry because we're going to give you loads of tips for running an online convention. Hopefully, you can learn about the games we played and get some cool ideas for your games. So hopefully, it should be quite good. But before we do any of that, let's do a feedback, shall we? Oh yeah, the feedback side. The feedback side. Yes, bitch. The feedback side. It's the feedback section. Yeah, we take your comments and read them out. Yeah, feedback, bitch. So first of all, I want to talk about a bit of live feedback that I had. Because at SavageCon, we did have an after party. It was all online, of course. And uh, somebody mentioned that in episode 7, I meant I said that I was a communist. I think I was probably joking. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> it was the one where you and I got really drunk, Nick, and I don't remember saying it. Oh, God. That one got so many complaints, but it didn't yeah. get more than the time we reviewed Street Fighter the RPG badly, so, I mean, oh, that's fine. Wow. Yeah, it was yeah, Okay, first bit of feedback comes in from Dan Irwin. He's talking about the music we played at the start of the Indiana Jones bit on the last podcast. <laughs> yeah. Because if you remember, I said, um, oh, we, we were discussing it. We were like, oh, let's put in some other music from another 80s movie to confuse people and then of course I chose Jurassic Park which is a 90s movie and um, Daniel Owen says so you play a song that ain't the Indiana Jones music then joke about playing another 80s soundtrack then play a soundtrack from a film made in the 90s I'm going to assume an ironic wink in is, is in order uh, yeah yeah I'm yeah. surprised more people didn't complain about that though to be fair I think I expect it that's true yeah, yeah well they just know if they do complain we're going to treat it with um the utmost respect. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, Ace B, he says, I just ran Sailors on the Starless Sea for the first time. Found out about DCC through your actual plays. Thanks for that. Oh, welcome. I don't know what to say to that, but that's all right, mate. That's all right. Enjoy. Yeah, but it's, how crazy is it that they only found out about DCC through the actual plays? I, I honestly thought it would always be the other way around. Well, yeah, because most of the people that are fans of it come from the DCC groups, and they either they already know about it or they've entered that group by accident. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, 
yeah, I mean, it, but that is cool. Um, if you, yeah, I'm glad that you did that and bought bought DCC and bought St- Sailors on the Star of Sea. If you want another great module for DCC, where could you go, Nick? Mm. Oh, let me think now. Oh, how about going on to Drive Through RPG and taking a look at um, Escape from Station Seventeen? But make sure you spell Escape right, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Theo Ruff. He says he's talking about my Animal Crossing competition I did on uh, Facebook. So on, on on Animal Crossing, I've made a uh, um, a D and D room, and I've 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 used the photo editor thing to put in loads of uh, game covers. But of course, they come out all, all blurry and pixelated. And I asked people to sort it is of awesome. yeah, they tried to identify all of the things on the wall, and I'd send them a copy of Escape from Station Seventeen. Um, and yeah, Theo Ruff, he's coming in. And he says for a second, for a second, I thought the picture was taken from your actual house. <laughs> <laughs> It's well, not, well, you know, it, I, it does look pretty legit. It's, it's similar, but I don't have stone walls in my house and and candles on the wall. But I should. Mm. I definitely should. Yeah, not everyone's no. that posh. Yeah, well, just because you're from Surrey doesn't mean you're posh. <laughs> exactly. Like well, actually, I, I was trying to think. Well, when we were sort of came up with the idea for this episode and talked about doing it as an online con, I did actually um, uh, discover something. While I was just, I just had a quick thought. I was like. Has anyone made an Animal Crossing RPG? And they have. They have. And I think me and my wife are gonna me and my wife are gonna review it pretty soon. Um, it looks quite shite, I'll be honest, but um, I think that'll be fun to review. Yeah. So um, yeah, basically that's it for feedback this time. Um, I like that somebody thought that that was my actual house because when you think about it, there was a cartoon character sitting directly in the middle of the photo. So I mean, <laughs> that's maybe, exactly how you look, though. Well, that's what I was going to say. Maybe he just thinks I look like an Animal Crossing character. So, like, oh, Harrison's got a new shirt on. Yeah, look at him. I was going to say. So you know, with the old, uh, you know, I was wondering if there was an RPG of this, and oh look, there is. Um, mm. Is it kind of like the Rule Thirty Four of Reddit, where you know? Yeah, but no, you, I think you're absolutely right. Because so, for those that are unaware, Rule Thirty Four is that. If there is something, there's a porn version of it, <laughs> and you can test it. There's a website right, dedicated to making art of pretty much everything in that vein. And um, I just thought, you know, one of the main things is I, I decided to test it once, and I googled. No, actually, no, I'm not going to say that. But yes, I think you're right, Nick. Um, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I know what it well, was. Okay, we'll discuss it in the break. But um, so, so yeah, I think you are, are actually right because. All you need to do is dwell on the Savage Worlds Facebook for five fucking minutes, and there'll be somebody like, "Has anyone tried to savage this?" And it'll be like, I don't know, a, pic- a picture of Sir, like some pedigree chum or <laughs> or Sir Black's blind date. I do hate that. I do hate that. Yeah, it's like you could do it yourself, but people are just like, "No, has anyone savaged this?" <laughs> picture of themselves or something, or a box of cereal, or imagine if uh, that's like them getting um, a book of, of Savage Worlds and saying does everyone anyone savage this <laughs> Savage Savage Worlds <laughs> that's a fucking good idea for a, a troll post like. <laughs> I should get um, Savage uh, what's the, what's the um, I should get one of the uh, earlier editions <laughs> and then do that yeah just get Savage World first edition or, or Explorers edition and be like has anyone upgraded this to Savage Worlds Adventure edition <laughs> great idea <laughs> <laughs> alright that is going to be it for feedback. Let's get on to um, what you've been saying, and we're going to talk about what we've been playing. Yeah, what you slaying? All right, so we've been uh, we've been uh, gaming online ever since the coronavirus happened, and of course we've been playing a Fallout game. So. 
uh, we've been we've been using uh, ICRPG for this because it's a pretty decent, simple system to play online, and obviously is loot based. You level up by getting loot, so I think it works for Fallout. And essentially, the whole quest, the whole thing that these guys are doing is trying to find a water purifying chip, so that um, so that they can give it to a vault and hopefully be let in by the vault and have absolute safety and comfort. And that's basically it. In the last two episodes, I think I've just got a bit mad with it because. The last two episodes, we did a we did a death race in one of them. So they basically found out that this talking uh, car had been sabotaged. It's like Night Rider, but you know, in Fallout, and had been sabotaged by the NCR, which is the New California Republic, who own the town. They're supposed to win the race every year to show that they're superior in the town, and uh, so they sabotaged this car, took its like awesome, amazing radioactive engine, atom engine from. It and hid it somewhere. The guys went to go and retrieve it, and then were besieged by zomboids. Yep. But yeah, and and then after they after they retrieved it, they, then they did the death race. And um, yeah, so ICRPG for those that don't know is like a really simple D twenty system, uh, kind of OSR ish type game. And uh, one thing I really like about ICRPG is the way it does vehicle combat because. Vehicles are broken down into chunks, so you have it might be a wheel is half a heart, so that's five HP. The main body is two hearts, so that's twenty HP, and so on and so on. Um, so, how did you guys find the race in in the game? I thought it was epic. I thought it was really fun. Um, I like the fact that because of the system itself, it was like it was all of it was fast paced, and I like the um, you know the turn based system where it's like round the table. I enjoy that. Um, quite a lot as well because then you can kind of always guess who's going next by like whose turn it's been so then whereas as it goes around the table you know exactly whose turn is coming up so you can i think you can plan better that's true when it's like that mm-hmm. and also that what the book says is to kind of switch the order up depending on what you want so you might put your tank right next to the gm because you know he's going to go first and he can run in and sort of take all the hits and yeah, it was it was pretty good because you know you know when when a person's turns coming up, so you think, okay, Nick is driving, so perhaps what we can do is wait until uh, just before his turn and do our manoeuvres, knowing that he's going to be able to manoeuvre out of the way next and and whatnot. But Nick, as the as the main driver, um, I thought it was pretty funny because Nick's playing probably the most intelligent person on the team. He's an intelligent super mutant, and um, so he's like never seen a car before or never seen one being driven. And he was like, oh, I see how it works. Like, I picked it up within five minutes. I love it, yeah, because he's got quite a good wisdom and intelligence skill. So um, he tends to pick stuff up quite quickly. Yeah, and he was like, I understand this now. Vehicle. Um, it was it was so much fun. I mean, you know, a post-apocalyptic Mad Max-esque death race around a town centre. Um, yeah. In a, in a town that's run by the, um, you know, what was that? Yeah, the, the new, new California... Republic, Republic, right? Yeah, NCR. Yeah. So, you know, and they were like, no one's ever beaten us in years, and we was expected to lose, and there was a lot riding on it, and uh, and there were some raiders that we'd fallen out with, and then made friends with, and then fell out with again in the race. I guess yeah. it. it was just great. What was awesome as well is that, like, pretty much the opening gambit by both sets of teams was fucking amazing, and uh, it was like, basically, you got shot up by the NCR. Your car. So it didn't stop completely because it still had some, uh, you know, some speed, and you guys were slowing down massively because your car got reduced to zero HP. 
And the rule in ICRPG is you do a death saving roll that tells you how many rounds until you die, but somebody could administer healing to you and you go back up to one HP. Now that can be anything from using a stim pack to giving them a pat on the back and saying, come on man, you could do this, or just um, you know, slapping them across the face and going, get snap out of it, or something like this. And so it, it often leads to these really cool cinematic moments because what happened was is that your car almost slowed to a halt and then Jack Jackson, who's this like hitman character, he just kicks the front of the car and goes, come on! And then it <laughs> revives to one HP and you guys start going again and your, your car's like barely holding together but you're just racing around this racetrack. And then, I love that. The, then James, sh- you shot the fucking um, NCR guys up, and the funniest thing was is that he he didn't manage to heal his car. So the next turn that he had, he's just like <laughs> he, he just stops trying to fix the car. And he's like, oh god, and just starts running around the course, like trying his absolute like, best. I can't lose. I can't lose this race, and you just see him start pegging it round like ages after we had all finished. And uh, what on the Raiders as well? We had Raiders in a June buggy type thing, weren't they? Yes. And, um, yeah. Oh, what happened with one of them? Because one of them, I believe oh, that two two people in the passenger seats um took took uh, shot them in the face. That was it. Yeah, and then the car crashed, and then they had to get the dead body out and change the driver. Yeah, it was fucking good, and um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was weird as well because in that particular episode, what we've been doing is a sandbox type game. Yeah, they've got a mission, but they can go about it in any any which way they want. And so between between the areas, we often roll for random encounters. Um, I'll say, okay, you have to beat the difficulty or you're going to get a random encounter. It could be something good, could be something bad. Um, and it's led to us adding new locations to the map and things like this. But on the way to the place to go and get the engine for your car, you, I rolled for a random encounter and it just said a strange glow, glowing blue stone. And I was like, well, that's obviously fucking radiation, isn't it? And um, James has has this sort of mech like power armor type suit that he he picked it up picked up the uh, the glowing rock with with the suit so he wouldn't get irradiated. But then throughout the episode, kept on using it on people like constantly. And, that was so much fun. And the um, <laughs> holding it towards people and stuff. Yeah, and there was this one guy who was actually helping them with the race, but they had, they had an argument, and James held the the rock near him to sort of taunt him. <laughs> Like and instead of taunting him, it obviously irradiated him instantly. And I rolled on the mutations <laughs> yeah. table, and the guy got frictionless skin. And because oh he was God. taking a step backwards, <laughs> because he was taking a step backwards, he just slid and slid and slid until he hit a wall and then died. Splat. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then and then there was the next one is like they get to this hut where this NCR guy is hanging out guarding the engine, and they're besieged by zombies. But this actually made the fucking encounter really cool because James held the stone up to him to take the engine back. The guy got the mutation. His brain now just can't care about anything. And yeah. he wants to die. It literally says you'll commit suicide in 1d6 rounds. And so the guy is suddenly, as this zombie attack was happening, they're boarding up windows trying to stop them from coming in. The guy's trying to tear the boards down, trying to let the zombies in so that he can die. Come at me then. What's the point? Yeah, that was so funny. Yeah. It was the point yeah. anymore. Like, are you oh, going to kill me? I don't care if you kill me. Don't kill me. Like, I don't and care. He, I'm going to kill me. Yeah, and he's, he's like, yeah, I'm going to die now. Not that anybody cares and all of this. But the very last use of the uh, irradiated rock was that just before the fucking race, the NCR, um, it's not the leader, but it's the mayor's aide, he, he leant over in his car and James was like, hey, come closer, come closer, and then just holds the rock up. 
rolled on the mutation table, the guy grows ears so big he can no longer wear headgear. And he was at the oh, time. Yeah. So his helmet just pings off and he spends the whole race oh, with his gigantic ears. <laughs> Bunny ears. <laughs> I, will say, I don't think the mutation table that, that I, I got is necessarily in the spirit of Fallout, but I do think it's a lot of fun and it's in the spirit of ICRPG, so I don't really care. Oh, I think it's really in good. The, no, it's, it's also in the it. spirit well of our it. games because they yeah. are quite gonzo, aren't they? Your Fallout yeah. is pretty much gonzo post-apocalyptic anyway. I mean, but the thing is, it's not quite as silly as it sound as it is in our game. But I do think I'm having a lot of fun with it. I mean, we've yeah, now got one of our it. party members can turn into liquid at will. He can't do anything, but he, he turns into liquid. <laughs> yeah, DC fifteen check, isn't it? Yeah. Like so no, you just have to beat the difficulty in a given scene with a uh, with, with an intelligence check. In yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then um, basically, what happens is you can just turn into water. So to break into a place. They uh, put him in a bottle and then tried to spill him into the doorway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a good but, plan. Yeah, so so the next episode that we did, we actually just uh, did a, a an episode because I was inspired by listening to the Murder Hobo show. They were talking about the worldwide wrestling RPG, um, and we did a uh, yeah we did a wrestling episode um, basically. <laughs> so it turns out the water purifier was sold to a famous celebrity, um, a guy called the Pebble, who's who was a uh, wrestler. And these guys had to enter the wrestling arena and try and find it, and they ended up getting wrapped up in real wrestling matches. And Nick, you're a big wrestling fan. How did how did you find the episode? Yeah, I loved it. I was as a, as a wrestling fan, it was fantastic. We had a proper ring mat, uh, map going on with the uh, commentator tables. We had commentators, you know, uh, post apocalyptic Jr. and Jerry the King Lawler. Uh, was cutting promos left, right, and centre. Oh my god, that was so <laughs> funny. Jesus pro- Christ, the promos it was were amazing. And, and the thing is, they kind of they what what? Okay, so the main bulk of the team it was four of them. They started a new wrestling team called the Blight Riders, which was which was fucking cool. And their wrestling theme because it was like Attitude Era type wrestling. And so their wrestling theme was that they were slavers that have enslaved a super mutant, which is Nick's character. And um, that that was basically their whole whole gimmick. And they were heels, and so they'd come in, and their plan was to sort of go and wrestle a bunch of bunch of people and try to get a shot at the title, so they could speak to the pebble who had the water purifying <laughs> chip. But yeah. Sean's character, this guy called Ray McScriff, who's like a uh, lone wanderer cowboy type, uh, he decided just to peel off on his own and try and hunt their be- hunt the thing <laughs> backstage. He went Gonna into the pebble's off. dressing room, stole his belt from his drawer, smashed him over the back of the head. <laughs> Then tried to convince him. Hold on, hold him. on. Whoa, whoa. Before that, don't remember he jumped into the jockstrap uh, bin and managed to find uh, the honky tonk man's outfit. So he thought he was the honky tonk man. Well, what was so good about that was it was that he because he jumped into like a bin of laundry that was being pulled, pushed along, right? So that he could jump out at the correct door. And he's like, but when I'm in there, I'm going to try and find a disguise. So he rolls a one. So I said, he, all he wanted was like a luchador mask. But I thought, he rolled a one. I'm just going to, you're just going to come out of something ridiculous. And he came out dressed as the honky tonk man. It was like, like a cartoon. It was fucking stupid. When he spoke, when he tried to speak like the honky tonk man as well. He was, he, his role playing was amazing because he was playing a character, playing a character, which was just fucking awesome. Yeah. It was so good. And, um, yeah, it ended up with um, it ended up with him him uh, sort of pretending, you know, to the to the pebble that he was going to have this, uh, you know, like backstage wrestling bit, and they were going to go and discuss it in his, his locker room, and he shot uh, ended up with Sean shooting him in the foot, um, uh, Ray McScriff shooting him in the foot, and then 
and then sort of locking the door. And then once he realised that he got the information that the Pebble had actually sold the water chip to, to the Brotherhood of Steel, um, Sean was like, right, fuck this, and starts running out with a whole fucking wrestling organisation chasing him. And he's, he's throwing Brian yep. in their eyes. Throwing Brian in their eyes. Yeah, it was pretty funny. And then at that point, you guys all saw this on the Titan Tron. I'm like, okay, right, shit's gone south. Time to leave. And there was this huge chase scene with everyone just running out of the building. But so not good. before Nick's character, um, Thost, the super mutant, cut a promo because he says he wants to be back and wrestle the Pebble one day and have a shot at that title. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so with, with Thost being very much into um, his Shakespeare and his uh, you know pl- um, theatrics and stuff, uh, he absolutely fell in love with the, um, the idea of wrestling and sports entertainment. And um, yeah, I think it's, uh, he's found a, a, new, a new love. It was- um, so yeah, so he's... he's ch- Challenge the pebble. Hopefully, he can get back for that title shot. I, I hope so too, man. Because I was like, <laughs> I didn't think they were going to get so into it that they cared about the wrestling part of it. But it was fucking awesome. Uh, even even this guy called Jack Jackson, who's one of the characters, he's like this uh, this hitman guy. The player didn't really know that much about wrestling, but he did do some cool moves. Like he Irish whipped somebody and then cut them in half with a samurai sword, <laughs> which is fucking awesome. Yeah. The, uh, and yeah. also two characters. I, I can't remember who it was, but two of the characters. Knocked out, um, knocked out a guy with a, one of the most spectacular moves I've ever seen in RPG. So, in wrestling during a match, you'll often see other characters come in and interfere. You know, they'll run down to the ring and start wailing on a guy. <laughs> yeah. And um, what was brilliant is two of the characters interfered in a match that that someone else was having. They run down to the ring. Somebody climbs up on the turnbuckle from the outside of the ring, <laughs> does a frog splash, does like six damage to the guy. The guy's got ten HP, right? Then somebody else runs in, climbs up the turnbuckle, and does it again. It was a double frog splash, oh, one man. after the other, and it. Just just obliterated the guy. Yep. It was fucking awesome. It was, it was amazing. It, it, and I was just like, as soon as it came, because it was Ryan's character first, and Sam Bridges, yeah. and then um, I, yeah, as soon as Ryan did it, because I wrote in our little chat window, I was like, double team move, and I, <laughs> as soon as he did it, I just went, yep, I'm doing exactly the same from this um, belt buck- turnbuckle instead. And then It was, it was a just... proper, like, um, Hardy Boys type move, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, and the dice gods were in our favour. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, because you you rolled un, uh, astronomically high. Now, <laughs> the thing is, I'm I'm fairly certain in ICRPG because you have different types of effort depending on what you're doing. I'm fairly certain unarmed is supposed to be basic effort, but in a particular case, because it's a uh, a wrestling match, uh, I I felt like you know it kind of makes sense that it would be it it would be a, a D6 because it's just I don't know the, 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 the you don't have weapons and it's going to last forever if we're all rolling untrained D4s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty good. I, I I thought the wrestling thing went really well, and actually, the moves that you do in wrestling translated really well to a tabletop. Yeah, they do. Yeah, like, the surprisingly, it, it was it was surprisingly such an amazingly good episode, considering it was literally just wrestling. Yeah, it was so good. I, yeah, I, I, I got DDT'd, but because it was the guy's special move, and in fact that I was on quite low health anyway, it, I just didn't get back up off the mat. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was so funny because Thost is this super mutant man. He's a big fucker, but he didn't heal from the travelling that he'd done all the way up to the <laughs> yeah, to the wrestling arena. Battered. And so the guy, there's this match like Thost is talking shit about how he's going to take him down, all of this stuff, and hey, there's all this like like big talk happening around the stage. And he's just got a match with this with this great wrestler called the Bus Driver, who's like one of the most respected wrestlers in. <laughs> in the scene and then like literally first move he, the bus driver out initiatives him um, 
gets a crit, so he rolls ultimate effort, and it turns out that was his finisher, so he just does his finisher as the first <laughs> move, which you would never see in a wrestling match. And the commentators were like, in an, unpresent, in an unprecedented move, he uses his special move as his opening move. <laughs> yeah, and it was just one move and Thoster's fucking down. That's why the interference happened, because the, the other, other characters are pissed. They run down to the ring and start slaying people, but then the bus driver's mates start coming down to the ring, and we have... Uh, we had um, the Gravedigger and um, Wrestle Tron. Wrestle Tron. Yeah, yeah. Now dispensing suplex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was just all the drama of a wrestling game. Uh, I can't believe Sean's whole bit part in the background because yeah. we just focused on right now. We only discuss what happened in the ring. Whereas Sean, with his with his time away, he was just he was with um, uh, the Pebble for ages, the entire match. And then how did how did he? Uh, end him up it was fucking weird as well because when he shot him in the foot and he was he was interrogating him trying to find out where the where the water chip was there was a point like an hour earlier where they were sitting in the lunchroom and i said right he's eating a, a salad which i realized retrospectively wouldn't have been existed in the fallout universe but anyway the uh, the point is is that um short sean as they were leaving to go back to the pebbles dressing room he goes Oh yeah, um, I take the salad, and I'm just like, all right, okay, whatever. <laughs> so he picks up the salad, and then to shut him up later on, he stuffs salad in his mouth. It's fucking it was weird. It's so man. funny. The image of that in my head, I was creasing. But anyway, yeah, we'll leave the um, what we've been saying discussion there. Um, but essentially, yeah, now they've they've got the information about the water chip, and they're heading over to the Brotherhood of Steel, and that's that's where we've left it. It was a really fun episode. Yeah. I thought you guys did a cracking job of playing the uh, wrestling personas as well. It's hilarious. All right, so let's get on to the main subject: how to run an online convention. Main subject: magic. Main subject: Tokyo. Main subject. Once a year, we run a small local convention called Savage Con, where it's dedicated to Savage Worlds, and yes. of course, the book Savage Continent. <laughs> stop! 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 stop. Sure. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we do that once a year, and obviously this year we couldn't do it because it was it was um, it's all been coroned up. So <laughs> yeah. uh, instead, what we decided to do was was run it online, and the three of us are actually the organisers. I mean, that's why we had James uh, back on today to talk about this because we we organised it and we we decided to switch to online, and so. Yeah, first of all, the, uh, my first point that I put on the list, we're going to try and teach you guys how to sort of run your own online convention should you want to. And the first thing is, why do an online convention? Let's say, for example, it goes back to the way it used to be without the coronavirus, and uh, we, we can then go to physical ones. Why do an online one anyway? Uh, Nick? Why do an online one? Um, well, there's less logistics to it, um, for starters. So just getting everybody together in real life is, is obviously has its challenges. Mm-hmm. I think with a virtual platform, it does make it a little bit easier. People don't need to leave their house. They don't need to travel. You know, as long as they've got a computer then and an internet connection, then they should be able to get involved. So for, I, I guess from the connectivity side of it is a little bit easier, definitely, and, and logistics. Well, that's just it. I mean, because our first con- online convention that we went to was FGCon, yeah. Fantasy Grounds Con, which is run on TeamSpeak. And uh, th- that's a really, really good one. And, and the thing is, is like you say, there's less logistics than travel, obviously. And that means that people from all over the world can come along mm-hmm. and be part of it, which is fucking awesome. I mean, 
when we put went to FGCon, that was mainly uh, mainly your, your your classic foreigners. Wasn't it? And, but we were there. We were there, getting mucking in. But that was great. And um, yeah, and also another thing is obviously you're not limited to space. So SavageCon, it's obviously being a nice, friendly, low, um, friendly, like smaller convention. We have free gaming tables. Um, but yeah, doing it online, you have unlimited tables conceivably. Yeah. Well, I mean, not to... Yeah, but there are three big tables, you yeah. know? Oh, they're good tables. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. They're <laughs> real, I mean, real they're good some tables. of the best tables I've ever seen. Yeah, table two, table two especially. <laughs> so it's, not about mm. the ama- it's not about the amount of tables, right? It's about the quality of the table. It's about the quality of the table. I'll tell you. They've got four legs, therefore a table. Savage, Savage, That's true. Savage Con 2021. Check out table two. Mm, nice. Real nice. We, uh, we, we actually... You know, because we did actually take fees from people for for the convention to go towards the prizes and and of course the uh, the, the venue, right? And uh, uh, the truth truth is, I really did get a refund. I just spent it all on tables. <laughs> you motherfucker! <laughs> no, no, I actually, I actually haven't got a refund yet. The annoying thing is, is they said I'll oh, call back tomorrow and speak to the manager, and then I called the, I called them, and then they said I got an answer phone message. We're currently closed due to coronavirus. <laughs> Like, cool, oh, I'll get yeah. that refund next year then. <laughs> so, yeah, that's terrible. We're currently spending your refund. Yeah, anyway. Um, but yeah, so if you want to do an online convention, it's actually pretty decent because you're not limited to space. You're not limited to, to travel. You're not li- anything like this. And it realistically should be easier. There's also something else that um, also is a benefit of having an online convention, and that is gear. Because all you need is a internet connection and a mic. You don't need to have a video because not a lot, most of the time there's no video transmission. Uh, but internet connection and a mic, and then mostly like you know your dice, your player um, book, your your character sheet, all of that is all, also online. So it's just you, your computer and a, computer. And a microphone. You know mm-hmm. that's it. And let's face it, you know if you if you play this hobby, you already have all of that stuff. So you can just have it sitting next to your laptop or whatever or on your computer. And yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And and at SavageCon, we'd said you know people can use whatever virtual tabletops they want, or Savage Net as we called it this year. Um, yeah, people can use whatever virtual tabletops they want, but some people just use Discord, and they just would, uh, you know, send out character sheets and have people roll on their desks and just use voice, which is a perfectly acceptable way of doing it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so let's get into actually that brings me onto what you need to set up to make an online convention. Because obviously we had the Discord, and, and Nick, you set this up. So t- t- talk to me about, not not like in, in massive terms, how you did it, but what you kind of did to set up the Discord. Well, luckily enough, Discord is incredibly helpful. Uh, helpful? Simple. <laughs> because, it's not helpful. Uh, it's not helpful <laughs> at all. No, it's simple. Uh, well, to, to an extent, um, especially for someone like me, who's you know getting, getting a bit old now. Technology is a little bit difficult. <laughs> um, no, it's not really. But no, it's, it's it's perfect because it's you know it's exactly what it's there for. It's it's a, it's a platform that's used for PC gamers to be able to use voice chat within games, right? So, so that all the options are already there for you to use. You just press a button to literally create a server, and then you can just start pasting out the um, link to um to for people to join and it's simple as that you have a text-based channel and you have voice channels you add, add add as many as you like or just have the one if you're having one game you know just have one voice channel so obviously we already had all the games and the schedule set up before mm-hmm. the convention because we were doing the physical one and so you just went in and just added a voice channel for each game and named it and we called them rooms because it's a convention mm-hmm. You just had a voice channel for each game, so players know immediately when they sign up to the Discord. They just all you do is click a link and you go there. 
And then once yep. you're on there, you know, if you know what time you've got to be where and your room is there. Simple. Simple as that. Yep. And for the text channels, we had a main chat and an announcements channel so people could post in links to their games should they need to. Mm-hmm. Yep, and um, then we just right. pinned the we pinned the timetable on the on the text channel, so everybody knew that you know basically when they load into the server, it's right there, so they can see their games and what times they are. And I just changed all the GMs on there to red, and um, so people could easily find them in the chat if they needed to drop them a little message about the game. Nice. Yeah, and we actually have quite a well. We did for when it was a uh, when it was a physical convention. We have this really really snazzy fucking sign up sheet that James made where people can mm. tick tick the options for which one they want and sign up and and uh, it even has a, like a little box to say I'm aware that I do need to pay to come to this convention things like this. <laughs> um, but we, we kind of had to sack that in the bin because uh, you know we're now doing an online convention we had this open spreadsheet where people could enter their games and stuff like this so you, you set that all up James how, how did you go out about uh, you know setting up the sign up sheets um, well I'm a bit of a nerd so I love spreadsheets so it was kind of like pretty I say fun. Maybe that's a really loser term to use, but I'm going to use it anyway. It was fun for me. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was really simple because obviously you just got your your GMs and players and the game name and stuff. But then there was also a section to uh, select a virtual tabletop. Now, what it was, it's just like a literally just like a grid, um, and then it flowed from left to right per game, and then down the page for uh, each game separately. Um, and then I put a couple formulas in there so that you could use a filter, so you could filter by time, filter by GM, filter by game. So if you had it on desktop and then you wanted to see what games just you were playing, you could filter to your own name and then see all the games you're in and stuff like Which, that. let's be honest, was very clever. And you also had some uh, uneditable boxes for games that were finalised as well, so people couldn't change them. But you know what fucking pisses me off? Is that somebody had obviously changed the filters... And then loads of people came in and started texting me, and they were like, "They were like, oh, don't, don't, something's happened with a spreadsheet. Every every game except for yours has gone." And I'm like, "No, no, that's not what it is." And I was, I was, I had called James and was like, "Somebody's saying this. That's probably them being an idiot." But can you just check? And then he was like, "Yep, I just turned the filters off. It was that simple." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was. It, it's basically like nothing too flashy, but it was just, it was just a well-made spreadsheet with a yeah it was no it was great there. and do you know what i liked it because it was um you know some games there was people asking over spaces and stuff and then it was just a really nice idea of if you've got the maximum number being say six players or eight players and then you could just have a box for each person's name and if a, a gm only wanted four or five as a max amount then you just we just put no space underneath so people should be able to come in and see ah there's a loose there's an open loose space there's an open space or you yeah. know this game's only taken four so loose. that's full loose yeah, space for the record, we used uh, Google Sheets, which is yes. perfectly reasonable. Yeah, it yeah. is. And yeah. so it, it just goes to show, you know, that's it's two free things that you you can do it with, um, you know, to start with. I did like I saw in somebody's empty space. Um, you could have just put no space underneath it, right? If they if you wanted to to like say I've got a max of four players, but somebody yep. um, somebody put the max is five players, please. Thank you. Canadian. <laughs> yes, it, it was actually it was a Canadian. Yes. But I liked that. It was, it was like such a polite way of doing it. Yeah, yeah, that was really. <laughs> I just put no space because I was like, right, six, six is fine. I'm not. I can't. Can I just I say that eight. if 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 you're running a game, a convention, be it online or offline, right, come up with a good fucking description for your game, please. <laughs> because oh the God, thing is, yeah. what you're trying, you have to remember, right? This is like when people are browsing the games. If you want people to fucking play in your game, right, they're they're going to be browsing 
and they're going to be looking for something that takes takes their fancy. If you put your game down, let's say for example you're playing, I don't know, Savage Star Trek, right? And you just put down Savage Star Trek, and then you just put in the description Savage Star Trek, and people are going to be like, oh, I don't know, that's that's not very descriptive. Yeah. I wonder what the, their GM style is going to be like. It's it's uh, uh, it's it's Star Trek, but savage. That's bit yeah, that's terrible. You need to well, be way more descriptive because it's not going to be. Everyone has their own opinion of it. Like not everyone has seen an episode or knows what Star Trek is. Believe it or not. So you need to be descriptive and tell us what it's going to be about. What's going to happen? Yeah, what I say. Otherwise, nobody's going to sign up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You got to sell it, and yeah, really, that's the thing. You know, if you want, if you want to get people in your games, then then sell it. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Now, pl- remember that for next time we do this convention, mm-hmm. please. Yeah. Um, actually, all the games were pretty much full, yep. um, so it worked out in the end. Um, we had a couple of dropouts, but then we had loads of new people come in as well. So, you know, it, we ended up having most of the games completely full. Um, yeah, so I, I, in addition to the Discord and the sign-up sheets, those are the only two essential things you need. But you really do need some way to promote your game and i i as alongside with you two uh run the facebook as well mainly me but you guys also help out there and um basically you know anyone can create a fucking facebook page but just make sure you have you know some cool artwork um and things for your banners and stuff like this and make sure that you whenever i do an announcement on the facebook let's say i'm announcing gm signups or player signups i always make like a little image for it rather than rather than just saying it as text, because I don't want it to be ignored. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, images do sort of bring it to the front and make, and you know, it, they spotlight it more. Of course they do. I did like it because, I forget with uh, Olympus Inc., that Savage World setting, I just, yeah. I, I've got to be honest, I did use artwork from that, and I didn't particularly ask the people who made the game if I could use it. <laughs> but the authors came onto the Facebook, somebody tagged them in there, and one, one of the authors was, was like, ah, oh, sweet artwork you got there, bro. And I was like... Yeah, thanks. Uh, I really like it. And he's like, I think he was fine with us <laughs> using it. But I'm like, man, I'm not paying. For- they were. Um, I saw a post that they shared elsewhere. And they said, oh, my God, it's official, guys. There's a Savage Con in the UK have used our artwork as their as their logo this year kind of thing. So they were honoured, weirdly enough. Yeah. Bless they were honoured. I mean, it was good art. It was good art. That's why I, that's why I stole, uh, used it. Borrowed it. <laughs> borrowed it. It's a promo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, that's basically it for all the stuff you have to set up. It, it couldn't, it couldn't be easier. I mean, probably do a Twitter as well and maybe a MeWe, but you know, uh, I can't be bothered. That's the thing, isn't it? It's the, you know, some people are like, oh, I don't like Facebook, and it's like understandable. But at the same time, quite it's, it's quite just, a it's just easy good one for groups, and yeah. everyone has it, you know. Boom, successful. Yeah. So the next thing I wanted to talk about actually, and this this sort of um, uh, uh, feeds into the Facebook thing. Is trying to keep trying to keep the hype going because mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys know this phenomenon, you know, and it's especially if you have a uh, a, a lady partner or a man partner in your life, or a other partner in your life. But you know, your yeah. your other half, they might say to you like, "Oh, by the way, so and so's asked us around for drinks in September," and it's like somebody you don't like, but you'll just go, "Yeah," because the idea of September just seems so far away <laughs> that you just agree to it, yeah. and you know. People yeah. do that with conventions as well. And I'm not going to say who it was because I don't want to embarrass them. But there was somebody that I went, I, I called them up and went, hey, uh, how's, a, how's a prep going for your game this Saturday? And I went, oh, what? that's this Saturday? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. 
and then like, <laughs> and then like, I just I felt I completely forgot, and I'm like, it's not it's not just that person, but I know so many people do that. They just agree to something in the future. Oh, I can't. I'll run a game of that, and it's like fucking hell. Last year, January, April seemed so far away. That come round quick. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think what you got to do is announce the convention that year within a couple of months and try to keep regular posts like i like to post little adverts with uh, borrowed artwork from google and uh, <laughs> you know post little adverts for the games you know especially if they they need a couple of pl- couple more players to be in and just post like their description with a cool yeah. piece of artwork and what table and what time it's on you know i really like those ones that you did because they, yeah it was like you always spotlighted them and um it also allowed for that GM to just kind of showboat a bit and just be like, oh yeah, man, like this is the game I'm going to run. It's going to be awesome. And then it also uh, promoted um, the con at the same time. Yeah, totally. And it's also nice to it's nice to trickle it as well because I, uh, you know, if you was like um, Savage Net, these are all the games. Did it all in one big post or one day's post full of you know full of all these games it might dilute it a little but yeah. if you, what, what we would do well what harrison was doing which was really cool was just like you know give it a week then drop another spotlight on another game and just keep that interest going but at the yeah. same time not over kind of um expose it in, in a way where it gets annoying where it's it's just yeah. in the feed if it was the day. same thing over and over again then eventually people would like turn off notifications yeah. or unfollow the page mm-hmm yeah, I also, you know, it's and keeping that hype going is important because it means that it means that it's a fun atmosphere around it, and especially during these times. I wanted the the community aspect of it to be something, just something that would make people happy, that mm-hmm. we can be excited about. You know what I mean? And then it was like that kind of doing those little posts. It's like still, it's fucking sucks that we can't do this in person, but mm-hmm. still, we can get fucking hype about it. And also, it does mean that people don't don't fucking forget that they've turned no, <laughs> right, up to run right. again. And you can keep the conversation going in the in the lead up to a con. You know, getting getting people that want to come engaged and stuff, asking questions, just just off topic questions or whatever. Just keeps keeps the conversation going while you're building up to the convention. And also, you we look like we got a big influx of people quite towards the end. Um, yeah, and yeah. it was it was crazy because there was more people talking about it and sharing it and and towards the end we actually got quite a lot more than we did yeah it was great i mean you had some you know, randos turn up as well we turned it around really yeah, it quick lo- loads of people and loads of people that just just you know moseyed on in to see what was going yeah, on and then just yeah. ended up playing Spectate and games. and then see a slot jump in that's, which that's is brilliant. awesome that's another good thing you know about an online convention we kept sign-ups open this time uh, right up until the day of the convention yeah in fact they weren't even closed on the day of the convention because because why? It doesn't matter. People can just jump in if they like. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, realistically, you could just turn up to SavageCon UK, the physical yeah. one, and just jump into a game. It's always it's just up to the GM. If they if they can accommodate mm. you, they will. Well, exactly. Let and me tell you, it was nice. I've got a secret weapon, right? No, sorry, go on, Nick. No, no, it's all right. All it was was it was not because it was you know obviously a kind of a last minute thing regarding us having to pull over to online just so we could get a convention going for, for everybody. Um, we thought you know leave the GM sign-ups open now it's online and and it, and we actually did get a couple of games that were later for like more america friendly and that was a nice little um thing because keeping it open meant that we could have bolt-ons come on and it was great for that totally and um yeah i just wanted to speak actually and tell i want to say about my my secret weapon on. if you see one of the things if you run a fucking facebook group and you have to make an announcement getting people to pay fucking attention to the announcement is really quite difficult so when the con was cancelled and we were redoing it at savage net and stuff like this and playing online I needed people to actually pay attention to the post. And there's this picture. Just put attention meme into Google. And there's this picture of it's a Japanese guy 
on a piece of paper with a really stern face sort of stuck to a wall and it just says attention now I have your attention or thank you for your attention or something like this <laughs> yeah. thank you and it's, it's like it's a really strange picture but it's impossible to ignore when you see it the guy's got such an arresting face yeah <laughs> arresting, arresting. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's basically it. I, you know keep hype up. And another thing is, obviously, you're going to want people to come to the bloody convention, so you should promote it. Yeah. However, I will say the only reason that this was a success was because other people promoted it. We didn't really do much. We we've had a lot of people filter in, you know, through the Savage Worlds groups, and the page has got quite a few likes from previous years and things like this. But most of the new people that turned up was because uh, other players were excited about their games or posting it on this group, that group, and mm-hmm. stuff like this. So. Yeah, but that's what you've got to do, right? The reason why that happened was because of the keeping the hype going, right? And that was the spotlighting the game, spotlighting all that. It meant, it, you know, it drew attention to that GM's game. So perhaps they were just like, sweet, this is all about my game. I'm going to share this post and then I'm going to talk to my friends about it mm. and try and get them to join in and stuff. And that's why it happened. And obviously the community wise um, in, you know, this, this world of ours is, is pretty nice. It's pretty nice and ripe. So as long as you do it right and kind heartedly and you're not being a douche, like everyone should reciprocate in that way as well. No, you're absolutely right. And uh, you know, Cyclops con, the DCC one went online as well. And that happened the same weekend that we were doing this um and it was kind of similar i just saw mainly it was people that were running games or planning games just sharing it on facebook so for promotion i would say if if you're if the people in your group aren't already doing it do something like that mm-hmm. you know, get share it on your personal facebook or on the groups that you're part of with whatever yeah um, try and get people coming absolutely coming along coming along now here's a little something for the hustlers Yeah. What's up with that? Y'all colleagues don't even smoke crack. What's up with that? So let's talk about the uh, the the sort of uh, little touches that you make to the convention. You know, any any other little bits that you guys want to talk about? That oh, I'll go good? for one. Go. Um, there was a, a, a kind of a colour scheme that was adapted. Uh, I try to do this each year, like the uh, the colour of the logo, the actual Savage Con. It's mostly been red this whole time. So last time there was uh, there was a lot of red involved. There was, was also a lot of red involved in this one. Um, but when it changed to um, Savage Net, like all the colour scheme, at least on the Facebook page, appeared to sort of fit to that. The sign-up sheet, etc., remained as the Savage Con, and there's a lot of sort of red in that. So when you go into it, it's like it feels branded, bit of branding, even though yeah. it's just colours. Bit of branding, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's well, like, I, th- that's the nice little touch to, that um, I like. Yeah, that was that was actually a pretty fun thing to do. I, I also made all of the uh, <laughs> all of the promo material. I made it like. Like we were cool hackers playing on our computers in the future. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You put all the um, all the Facebook text um, changes on. That was yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I that tried to make fun. it look as if somebody's hacked in and made it online, bro. 
Yeah, but that's no, but that's that is a little touch. But it's fun that though. Makes it yeah. that little effort, that little nuance there, just makes it. Ooh, little brand. This is yeah. I, I have to say, um, Nick's idea was fucking great to have an after party, um, <laughs> sort of lounge, yeah. um, and everyone got in there and started drinking after the con. That was great. I, yeah. I didn't think anyone would turn because my game finished a little bit earlier, so I was like, right, well, I, I better get in there. So I was there from about like to about twenty to ten, and there was like nobody at all for ages. And then Ace came in, and we was having a chat for a while, which was nice. But I'm glad by the time my computer decided to die it was uh, there was about 18 people in there no way yeah, yeah it was yeah, really good yeah. it was really good and um yeah that's where that's the point where somebody accused me of saying that i was a communist once i'm fairly certain i was joking but yeah um <laughs> it, it was it was really funny man we were talking about all sorts of stuff yeah. we were talking about jenkum like loads of stuff it was it was really funny and and you know it was loads of really really awesome people in there but mm-hmm. You know, it, we just all we did was just ch- sit around chatting and have a drink. I've, I've gone midnight. There was still like you know, ten to twelve people in there, still still hanging uh, out. Yeah, and people and kept filtering in and out. There. Yeah, yeah, all the Americans, exactly. So it's weird because obviously it would be ten. So it's it was only just five. You know, five o'clock oh for my God, the East yeah. Coast Americans. Yeah, yeah. Were they like at that point, right? Because I know that loads of them were sort of awake at you know whatever time in the morning to say attend. Tends like some of the first lot of games and stuff. Um, at least, mm. at least we know Eric was because he shared a photo saying, "Oh, it's six a.m. where I am, but um, games already yeah, already nice. going." Yeah, that he sent one good. like a midway shot. But like, so so for the people you're saying it was five p.m. for them, but <laughs> were any of them like absolutely trolleyed already? Uh, you know what? I actually don't know because the thing is, is the way I the way I did my fucking um, games, and and this I think was smart of me. Was that what I did? Is I I ran my two games in the morning and the the, the midday slot, right? And then uh, in the evening one, I played so I could have a break. And it was sort of towards the end of Conrad's fucking great game, which we'll get into in a bit. Towards the end of that, I fucking started drinking. I ordered a bottle of rum from Amazon and uh, was 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 laying into that a little bit. And fucking, you know, I, I started drinking at the end of that, and then I was a little bit drunk when the after party started. So <laughs> I couldn't really tell, but I know I was hammered, man. Like by the end of it, it got to about midnight, and I was like, "Fucking hell, I need to go to bed." I was all like, tired. I, yeah. so I was shattered, <laughs> absolutely shattered that day, but it was worth it. <clears throat> but yeah, yeah I was well, naked. you you know, we we put a lot of effort in because we both of us ran two games. And the, the fucking annoying thing about this was, and I'm not, I'm not complaining, man. It's like too much. It's not really my anyone's fault. But what what was annoying was, I, I ran two games I already had pre-made, right? So I had one in the back of the Tough Guys book. Um, I ran Tough Guys, and I had that all prepared. I had my Aliens versus Rednecks game had that all prepared. All I needed to do was just print out both of the fucking things and bring them to the virtual con. Yeah. That's all I needed to yeah. do for prep. I was making it easy for myself this time. And then obviously we went online. And so I had to now enter all of the fucking character sheets into the this, the thing. <laughs> Tell me about it. Like pull over all the maps, make new maps. Yep. You know, we had to scramble. And the thing, and the thing was, is like if if we had a little bit more time. I mean, I definitely think that you know, Savage Net should be a regular uh, a regular thing going forward because it was great. Yeah. But we literally had to scramble a convention in about ten days because when we pulled the plug on the the physical one, you know, we really didn't want to and wait until the last minute. But when the, when it was you know when we realized that it wasn't going to happen we just had to pull it all over in like no time at all and it's like try and pull a, a convention out of our ass online but well, i think we've done all right um, if we had I a think bit more time okay. next it, time it was... we do we do even better i think yeah yeah no you're right and i, I feel as if it was helped by 
a lot of people because we were trying to pull everything together and Absolutely. our games at the same time and yeah. a lot of the other people you know the people that turned up and ran games mm-hmm. they're, they're, I was like I was convinced that Savage Worlds wasn't that good on Roll20 so but then I sort of played in another game and I was just like fucking hell like actually this can be really it good is great. It, if yeah. you know your shit you know and a um, huge thank you to all the gem, the gems. Well, they are gems, let's be honest. But to all the GMs, <laughs> that, uh, to all them GM gems out there that did also do the same thing that we had to do, bless them, and and get all their games online last minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, fucking the the very last thing I wanted to touch on was: should you charge for an online convention? Um, I do think I, I do think that maybe if you're a creator and you've made a convention, it, it's not that you have a moral imperative to charge, but I think it, it would be fair to charge a small amount per person that wants to come. I, however, yeah. didn't really feel um, that it was justified to to do so because you know I didn't give up that much time to getting it all set up, and we'd already charged people to come to the physical one for which you know refund pending everyone. I will I'll hopefully get everyone's money back, but. Mm-hmm. The uh, yeah, the the annoying thing is it was only a fiver per person, but it's annoying, and I want to get that back to people. And so charging again for an online convention or charging for the yeah. people that hadn't already paid, we want ideally we wanted bums and seats, and we wanted people to turn up and play fucking mm-hmm. games. And I didn't want mm-hmm. to put any barriers between that yeah. and 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 the fun. So you know, well, it was more about community because, like, let's yeah. face it, the physical one, like we we have to say this because this this is this is always. I mean, because the podcast is that as well. It's all of it's non-profit. Yeah, it's so always exactly. non-profit. Like, so the physical one was non-profit. So all the money went to was the prizes and the hiring of the of the of the place, and that's it. And if anything, if anything, because this has happened in the past two years, um, some of us become out of pocket, but we don't care because it's all for the joy of the con, par for the right. course. Yeah, exactly. And and in this case, you know, an online convention has no overheads unless mm-hmm. you know you might buy stuff for your game, but you get to keep that anyway. So shut up. Um, so yeah, I don't. <laughs> I personally wouldn't charge for this, but I don't have anything against people that do charge for their online conventions. At yeah, all. And if they're uh, going to yeah. charge something stupid though, you can fuck off. But yeah, for example, you know, CyclopsCon. I can't remember how, what the badges price were for CyclopsCon, but I really fucking wanted to go to that. But you get to play with fucking like Doug Kovacs and yeah. Jen Brinkman and Jeff Godin, all the people from Spellburn and all of these like celebrities. I would probably cut off my right arm to go to CyclopsCon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's true. unfortunate. It's really unfortunate that we we were our con was that same weekend because I was like, oh, no, you can know, you I believe could, it? I could fucking go to CyclopsCon on Sunday, but there was no way that was happening. Sunday, oh, I felt man. like I wanted to die. I was like fucking. I, I was I was hung over. Mentally tired. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just don't want to catch him in bed with a goblin. But if he's in there rolling around hacking him up, and he's got a goblin guide, you know, taking him into the cave, I'm not expecting him to not get dirty. For the next segment, what we're going to do is we're going to then talk about the games we played, and hopefully you oh. guys uh, at home can get some cool ideas from this, and and uh, hopefully have your gaze turned into the direction of uh, some cool products. <laughs> All right, yeah, so let's talk about the games that we played. Um, we'll sort of yeah. alternate between Nick and I, and we'll try to keep this more brief than the What You've Been Slaying segment. Otherwise, we'll be mm-hmm. here till COVID is over. So, um, <laughs> Tough Guys. This is the uh, the expansion to Wise Guys that turns it into a, uh, a London gangster setting in the 90s. And that was the first, first game I ran. Um, uh, ran the adventure from the back of the book. And I have to say, it went fucking funny-ly. Funnily, 
yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so the, the the premise of this is that you're a bunch of a uh, bunch of hard nuts that uh, own a uh, tea room, posh tea room, as a front for a uh, for, for um, you know selling drugs. Um, some guys muscle in on your turf and sell drugs from a kebab restaurant, and you have to track down the leader and bring him back alive. Um, that was it. And and but the the funny thing is, is that the first encounter you go over to the kebab shop and you kind of you can go about it many different ways, but the ultimate thing is, is that you find out where the boss's um, warehouse is from the two kebab guys that work there. And they absolutely steamrolled the two guys. They wrapped one of them up in duct tape and chucked him up in the back of the van. But one of them, there was, there's a character called Harry the Man Masher, right? And the guy that played him, this guy called Tavis, he was, he was the man of the match because he never broke character. Even when he was describing what his character does, he goes like, he's like, right, so Harry gets out of the car, right? And then he's smashing the guy in the face. And he's like that. But the funniest thing was, right, is that um, th- this was Harry amazing. The right? So they did, they did a kind of interlude on, in the back of the van. He was sitting in the back of the van watching this kebab guy or gangster that he'd, he'd tied up. Oh, hello. Oh, I do like so to sleep he... beside the seaside. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, that was my alarm, listeners. Um, yeah, so so anyway, yeah, Harry the Man Mash is in the back of this car with this Turkish gangster guy, right? And um, he, he's like, can we stop and get some pick and mix? So they, they, pick and mix for those who don't well, know. It's like, it, it's like you, you take sweets, fill up a bag, and then pay for the bag. Yeah. Anyway. They they stopped at Woolworths to go and get pick and mix, and the kebab guy um, in the back is like, "Can I have some pick and mix?" And then the guy's like, "No, wait, do you have a pound on you?" And he's like, um, yeah, "He's like, uh, no, I don't." Um, and then the kebab guy says to him, "He's like, can you please pay for the chips you stole from my shop earlier?" And he's like, "How much was it?" And he's like, "A pound." So he gives, the, the, he gives the Turkish guy a pound, and then the guy, the, the gangster, kind of brings the Turkish guy into Woolworths with him to go and buy pick and mix. Uh, it was fucking cool. stupid, right? But what they did, and this is the second time this has happened. I don't, I don't know why this always happens, but he spent a penny to influence the story. So bennies in Savage Worlds, they can be used to re-roll, uh, get a new initiative card, loads of things. But one of the things they can now do is influence the story, and he said he influenced the story so that his girlfriend works at Woolworths and would let him round the back. So they went around the back, climbed up on the roof so they could get a vantage point of the other gangster's warehouse. And then this other guy, Crazy D, who's a football hooligan, also jumped off of the roof and tried to drop kick somebody from a three-story high building. But because he's got such great toughness, he wasn't damaged, he was just shaking. He just smashed into these boxes below, which just got up and was like, right, come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. It was oh my fucking... God, just brushed himself down. Yeah. Oh my god! It was insane. It was like people with shotguns. One guy entered berserk mode and just started going crazy, like just slaughtering people. All the other guys were basically at the back. While the two hardest guys just slaughtered everyone. The two guys that were at the back shaking everyone and distracting people with insults. <laughs> and then, mean, meanwhile, the accountant, who are you? Who right? Are the, you? The, yeah, the, <laughs> that was exactly what it was like. And the accountant, right? He tries to jump down and get a safe landing on top of a truck in the warehouse and um, bungles it, smashes on his ass, gets shaken and one wound from it. It was oh, fucking no. mental. But yeah, insane session. Really good. And all the players did such a cracking job of role playing. And you know what? I don't mean to be disparaging about any of the people that played, but I always find that people that are a little bit on the older scale of things are better role players. Uh... Yeah. And they were they were fan fucking tastic. I had I had an, int- an intense uh, um, uh, time, and they yeah they ended up capturing the leader and being chased back to the Holloway Tea Rooms by uh, by a bunch of police. 
but a genius move uh, by the guy who's playing Bob the Slob, who's this thief. He, he decides to pick up a bunch of money and throw it out the window. And so people pour into the streets and the police can't get past. And it was nice. genius. Very good. But Nick, um, at the same time I was playing that, you were playing Savage the Destiny game. <laughs> Savage, Savage the, the Destiny, Destiny game. game. Yes, I was. Um, so yeah, no, we, we, I decided I love Destiny, uh, the video game, playing it for years. So I thought, well, you know, it's full of lore. It's basically like Harrison said, it's... Um, it's you know just a fantasy game in space um so should work as an rpg so yeah gave it a go so i got one of my uh just an adventure that i enjoyed from the actual game and um yeah turn it into a an episode uh, or uh, an rpg episode if you like um great again i had some great role players i had two guys that i hadn't met before um they were fantastic and then i had an old school mate uh and my mate rye obviously from our group who uh who we know from before yeah and um was Dan in my game as well? I can't remember now. Um, but yeah, it was really good. So we had to um, started off at, started off at the tower. Um, gave them a kind of uh, you know if they wasn't a destiny hadn't played destiny before wanted to kind of show the world to them and what it's like. So um, we had like a, a competition where they went up against some training bots to win some wicked exotic guns before they got off the tower. That went really well. Um, and then they had a mission where they had a fire team that had gone basically radio dark um and they had to find out what was going on down on titan they had been exploring some hive um rituals that were going on and and then they'd lost contact with the guardians and they had to you know the classic go down and find out where they went and um mm. yeah I'd have, it was cran- it was fantastic we we um there was a guy playing a uh, exo and um oh my god he was so good uh, it says stop giving him bennies in the end because it was so great <laughs> he was like uh he was like a super intelligent robot so anything that he kind of mentioned was like um um what is it he's like um hive wizards are known to be a and he was just like plugged into wikipedia constantly and he was just coming out of all these facts at like a, a million miles per hour about everything oh, but it awesome. was just that's so cool, cool yeah it was really really cool we had a big fire in the um we had uh, we had a big fight outside when they was trying to break into some um, um, like we had some there was some like uh, locks on the door where they, they like runes almost and they had been like enchanted and stuff and they had to try and get in there before this big um, big massive um, giant came after them and they had a big fight outside and yeah no it's just it was just a really really so fun it sounds game. great as far as I know you ran it as kind of a uh, sort of dungeon crawl right because that's yeah, kind of how much. destiny is anyway you know. Exactly, yeah. So it was more like a dungeon crawl. Started off with a kind of a, a basic training thing just to give them a taste for it. Then they went I down. I thought actually and, uh, that was a very, very clever idea because Nick basically came up with the idea where you had all these in, in Destiny, the really rare guns, they're called exotics, and they all do something cool. Like you might have one that, that reloads itself every time you get mm-hmm. a kill or something like that. And that's pretty easy to port over to Savage Worlds. But what was what was cool was that you could just start your game if you're playing maybe at a con you could print all of your little um, your little exotics out and put them on the table and like everyone gets to pick one of these but you made them sort of earn it at the beginning of the game yeah and yeah. I thought it's actually a very clever way of doing things as well because it means that players can get used to their character before they now have this super cool ability on their gun you know what I mean well that was it yeah that's what I wanted them to kind of get an idea of the battle without there being too much at risk if you know what I mean um, so, so I thought if I do it in a kind of way where they you know, and it's still a nod to Destiny by going down into the Crucible for a bit of PvP. 
yeah. or uh, you know in the in the video game I thought that would be a nice way to kind of showcase what Destiny's like and also a, a good way to get some loot right right from the get-go so yeah yeah I, I, it nice. went down pretty well so they all got some cool exotics which were utilized throughout the game um, yeah and um, well I think they liked it anyway I hope they did but they were fantastic I was gonna say all the players really done really really well Sounds great, man. And also, you know, because they they were quite high power characters, so it, was, yeah. it must have been really fun to just fuck some shit up. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, we was having grenades, uh, grenade bolts going off all over the place, void damage explosions. They were using their exotic weapons. I was, you know, yeah. So I had to throw a fair few enemies at them that were pretty high power, but no, they they cleared them up. It was really good. A big Very boss nice. fight at the end. Yeah, it was really, really good, really good fun. So thank you everybody involved. I had a great time. Yeah, next next one I played was Aliens vs. Rednecks. This is another uh it's an adventure I wrote with uh, Eric Lamoureux a long time ago. And James, you've 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 run this one before actually and uh Yep. Yeah, well, it's, I'll tell you what, it's really easy good one. Uh, if anyone hasn't seen it or picked it up yet, it's a piece of piss to run. Uh-huh. I literally picked it up and then ran it. Yeah. How's it? And then we told him he's got to come back and play it. Um he just ran off of it. No, sorry. Terrible joke. What's that? Terrible joke. I didn't even hear the first part, so That's I'm sure. That's all right, don't worry. I'm he sure. said, I, I just picked it up and ran it, and I said, yeah, and then we had to tell him to come back. <laughs> That's so stupid. <laughs> That's so stupid. <laughs> Fucking Fuck sake, Nick. I just picked it up and ran. He's like, right, I'm running this game. See ya. <laughs> Sorry. Um, anyway, sh- enough of that, right? This isn't. This this podcast is very serious. This isn't time for jokes, mm-hmm. all right? No, I've, t- I've told you about this. <laughs> Fucking aliens versus rednecks. Essentially, you play the aliens and you need to capture a beauty queen because she is the cure to a hideous disease that has ravaged your planet. The, the that means that the your planet, the reason it's been ravaged so bad that the best the best minds out there, the heroes, the soldiers, the doctors, they're not the ones coming to pick up the uh, beauty queen and the cure to the uh, to the disease. Uh, no, it's actually just uh, regular folk like you or I and. On the planet, um, your job is determined by what power you're born with. Each alien has a different power. So, for example, there's one that is a, uh, a window cleaner, and so he has the wall walker power. There's one that's a saleswoman, and so she has the uh, the mind reading power, and so on and so on. Anyway, uh, this game, like the the, the cool the cool thing about the the, the actual um, uh, adventure is that it's essentially a really simple thing. Grab the girl, take her back to the ship, and then it comes with a bunch of uh, uh, complications and twists that you can throw in the way of that. Um, but the thing is, they sort of made made complications just sort of happen because what happens is the first scene, they're going along, they see a parade, they see her there, right there on the fucking float. So she, uh, and and they they you know there's it, townspeople are everywhere, and she's within an arm's reach. So all you've got to do is grab her. That's it. You just got to get her, get the fuck out. And the players just, they got really weird really fast because what happened is one of them got up in a box and started preaching about Jesus. One of them had the shapeshifter <laughs> ability, turned into a waffle balloon outside a waffle hut to try and attract all the fat Texans over to go and get a look at this big waffle, right? But then it's, it wasn't just a normal waffle. It was a waffle, but you know when you get a bit of toast and it's got Jesus's face in it by accident? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, yeah, it was like that, but it was like Jesus's face in the syrup of the waffle, but it's also just an inflatable balloon. And then the, the preacher guy starts going, oh, my God, it's the Lord Jesus and preaching about this balloon. And I'm like, okay, right. 
everyone's distracted, right? You've got a fair distraction. Everyone isn't paying attention to you. What, what do you do? The guy goes, I keep preaching. The other guy goes, right, I stay as a balloon. One of them goes, right, I get in the, uh, I get in the float and I'm going to start running over all the Texans. And he just backs it up, starts running over, like kills about 50 of them. And it just, oh, it just got mad. And like, I was like, okay, so well, everything's instantly. completely clear. Almost within the first twenty minutes. Fuck like, yeah. so. <laughs> That's the most like bizarre I think but I've then, heard it go. The, the thing is, so quick. Yeah, quickly. and they had a cl- they had like a clear shot to the fucking woman now, right? She's standing on the float. Everyone's either distracted or dead, right? And she's she's standing there, and I'm like, right, you've got a clear shot. She's standing right there. She's like, oh my god, nobody's even paying attention to me. And then one guy just goes, right, I'm gonna sort of take her and we're going to go to the, I can't remember where they were going like the cinema or something they weren't even going back to the ship and I was like what are you guys doing this is mad like the, the plot <laughs> sort of went out the window almost straight away they did they did oh, eventually man. get back on course and try and capture her but um, it was just weird like I was nobody was nobody was doing anything towards the mission for a good hour <laughs> I would say um, ended up you know what happened was is that they they uh, they see another identical group of aliens who are from a planet on the exact opposite side of the sun, so they don't know about them. They also have a, a similar disease on their planet. They go to this party. One of them starts singing karaoke on a stage to try and get a vantage point to look out where she is. <laughs> and they see this. They see this identical group of aliens disappearing around a corner with a with a uh, with a woman with a bag on her head. So they chase after her. They steal the woman. They find out it's just some old crone that's the cure to their their <laughs> disease on their planet. Um, <laughs> Uh, it turns out, the, yeah, the the, uh, the the beauty queen had been um, had been uh, actually taken to a horrible horrible dungeon by this man who owns a tire shop on the edge of town. So they went to rescue her, then just put her back in danger again and, and take her and went back to their home planet. Um, it was it was mental, but it was fucking brilliant. Um, the worst thing was though, worst thing was is that that I I couldn't keep track. There was two American guys in my game that sounded exactly the same. And I couldn't, oh. I couldn't, oh. I couldn't keep track of who was speaking. I had to get them to put their names into the underneath their character names on, uh, on uh, <laughs> roll twenty. But that was actually a problem because we were using uh, Discord for the voice and roll twenty for just the the the, the game playing. It mm. meant that um, I had a hard time keeping track of that anyway because it's like a bunch of new people like Nick in our uh, and James in our table game or our weekly game. I know who's speaking because I know who's playing which character. I had to get yeah. used to, I mean, maybe that's me being fucking stupid. I'm not used no, to running online. I was the same as well. I was like, um, so, um, anyway, if, uh, who, right, who's playing? Oh, God, who's playing that? Play? Oh, yeah, oh, it was, yeah, I know what you mean. It's hard, it's a little bit harder to keep track. Um, yeah, but that was my Aliens versus Rednecks game. I, th- I think it went pretty well, um, and I, I liked the result. We actually ended in about two and a half hours because... The guys were just so quick about getting stuff done. I've, I'm like, I've already thrown five fucking complications at them. What can I do? But yeah, one of the complications is that they get taken to a party by a bunch of frat guys, and all of them just went along with it, which was insane. Um, and uh, yeah, basically, one of my fucking favourite moments was that I said, uh, that I was like, you can see the only vantage point in the room is on the stage. So he gets on the stage to try and look out, and everyone's like, sing, sing, sing. And um, he's and I put on like some music via voice meter, and I put on the backing track to "You Spin Me Right Round" that song. And he starts he, he starts singing. I can't remember why he started singing, but he was singing about shit. But he was trying to do it along to the tune of. It was weird, man. It got real weird. Um, that's it for my first two games. Um, Nick, tell me about Night of the Services, and we'll try and keep these last two brief. Night of the Services was fantastic. Dan Irwin's game from his um, from his dark state setting and. Um, 
it was it was brilliant. So we played a band uh, that was um, basically been on tour, and we was on our way back um, home, and we stopped off at a uh, you know your, your, your service station in, a, in in over here on the motorway, or, or you know them large kind of you know got lots of different places to eat and and and, yeah, yeah. and whatnot. So yeah, so anyway, so the band pulls over and and, uh, and gets into the service stations and. You know, everything seems kind of normal to start with, but then some odd shit starts happening, and you know, we start asking to speak to the manager. The manager won't to show up. Um, someone finds a, an odd toilet. It, well, it was my character actually. He was the band. He was the lead singer, and um, he, as soon as he got there, he went straight to the toilet because he needed a poo. And um, the uh, before you know it, there's like a secret passage in the into the toilet and stuff. And then all like the staff start acting weird and that. And as the game and as the game progressed, it's just it just turned insane. And then all of a sudden, we had we got um, besieged by an army of um, you remember little chef, you know the uh, the little chef guy. Yeah. Um, so, so little chef for those that don't like for the Americans out there uh, is basically a chain of restaurants that are only found on motorways. Was I think they've gone bust now. Yeah, it was owned by Burger King actually. But yeah, anyway, was so really? sorry, go on. Yeah, so their uh, so their little uh, their little logo is a little a, a tiny little white chef dude. And anyway, so we got besieged by an army of them, <laughs> and they were all like, they were all like surrounding this service station. And um, and uh, Dan had done some cool little video clips and stuff, and you know the noises they were making and people speaking over the tannoy. And you know, yeah, so we was that 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 happened, and we was being attacked, and then we was trying to escape, and we we found a secret passage down a toilet. And before we knew it, we was in like the underbelly of the service station, and basically the manager was um, was there, and he was um, churning people up and turning them into burgers, and that's what they've been serving at the station and oh stuff. Yeah, it took a bit of a dark turn uh, once we hit the basement, but it was fantastic. And uh, yeah, cannibalism, nutters, cultists, um, human burgers, uh, little chef zombies. <laughs> stuff it, like sa- that. it sounded uh, absolutely fucking amazing. Um, it really was. If you follow the. Um, Official Savage Worlds Facebook group. You'll see Dan posting about his Dark States stuff often. Dan Irwin, that is. So, yeah. Check that out. That sounded fucking awesome. It was and let me great. Tell you, I, the last game I played, the one I played in in the evening, right? I just want to say something about Deadlands real quick. Is that I, I really, really do like Deadlands. But Shane Hensley has a habit of attaching a Deadlands name to something that has, has no business or, or, or barely any relation to Deadlands. It's like, it's got Ghost Rock in it. And um, yeah, the last game that I played was fucking Deadlands Dark Ages, right? So it's it's Deadlands, which even the name refers to the fact that it's a western, right? Um, but it's set in in uh, in the the Middle Ages, sometimes referred mm. to as the Dark Ages, right? A period of history which I really like and am quite familiar with, and I um, thought this is going to be fucking stupid, right? You've got paladins running around with guns. You've it's it's, <laughs> it's called Deadlands for no good fucking reason, you know, but. Actually, it's really quite good. Um, this was run by Conrad Neubert, who is a uh, listener of the show and a really lovely bloke. And uh, he, he ran this game. And it was basically where we've come into this town and we've got a paladin with it with a gun, things like this. It was just basically Dark Ages stuff, but with some Deadlands-type monsters. And yeah, we come into this town, there's a big argument. And it's, it's like people are arguing because this bloke's accused of murdering his mistress um, who is married to this other bloke. But it turns out that bloke killed her and all of this. So it's a big murder investigation. We started with a social conflict, which is a rule in Savage Worlds, where you have to try and earn chips by doing good roles and you have to out-argue the other person. And we're doing that in a pub. Um, ended with a Wendigo-type monster wearing a, a trench coat made of human faces. 
Lovely. So, yeah, uh, I saw, I saw the I was picture. Like, that sounds awesome. Mate, I'm fucking graphic. sold. It was so good. But the thing that made me laugh the most is obviously it's written by Americans, right? And they've tried to come up with a fictional town name for like um, for an English town. And Dan's like, you, 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 as you're not Dan. And uh, Conrad's Conrad. like, you're traveling through the woods and it seems like nature itself is giving up as you come onto this sort of uh, secluded town in the middle of nowhere. You come onto Wolford. And I was like, yeah, that's the fiction. That's the fictional town from EastEnders. And all I th- all I thought of that was like, am I going to see Danny Dyer standing behind a bar or fucking Little Mo? Just, just I don't know. It's just Grant it really Mitchell, or Phil me Mitchell. Up. All right, bruv. All right, bruv. All right, bruv. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, they, I, I imagine they they should probably like hire a uh, an English editor on that one because it's like Wolford. It doesn't conjure the scary no. image oh, you want God. it to. Well, the thing is, you should probably explain what EastEnders is. To people at oh yes, EastEnders is a soap opera in England about um, a bunch of cockneys in East End of London. Yay. Yeah, it's, and they it's, live in it's utter tripe. I've been watching I it recently. It was the inn? Why was the tavern called the Old Vic? No, but it should have been. I, yeah. I, was, I was tempted to make that joke, but I was playing with all foreigners, so I was oh, like, no I don't know. Got it. That's not going to go across well. <laughs> but it really cracked me up as soon as he was like Wolford. I was like. <laughs> Yeah, it um, <laughs> was cracking, man. Um, the the um, it's just it's just a good fucking middle ages horror game, basically, is what it is. And for some reason, there's guns, but it's it's not a too out of place, and it's it's a good one, man. Check it out. If they release a full book of Deadlands Dark Ages, I'm fucking in. Rippers is not Rippers isn't Dark Ages, is it? It's more Victorian, it's Victorian era. Victorian era. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, I do think it has a place within Savage Worlds, and I actually cool. really like the setting. I played a druid um, who was a na- like a nature druid type person, obviously, and um, yeah, it was funny because I kept on making making like um, all these sweeping statements. So I genuinely was trying to play a serious character for once, and I kept on saying stupid shit. Um, there was a point where like I would say, you know, if somebody swatted a fly, I would get angry at them because that's nature. Do you know what I mean? And, I, <laughs> yeah. and then at some point, I called one of the bad guys an insolent worm, which I, I realise now. It's like obviously bad because then I'm demeaning the the humble worm. Do you know what I mean? Poor worms. But I yeah. said that in character. I was like, I was like, fuck you, you insolent worm. But of course, I don't mean that because I really love worms. And then I had to explain. No, that was just me forgetting what my character is like for a second. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's it for all the games we played. It, it sounded uh, your one sounded amazing. And also we had my brother ran a Fallout game. I, people spoke highly of that. We had uh, Eric Lamaru, writer of Wise Guys, uh, also ran some Wise Guys as well, which sounded fucking mm-hmm. brilliant. Um, but that's it for the games. And and yeah, if if you want to set up your own online convention, just uh, yeah, just go ahead and follow those steps that we've given you, and you should be perfectly fine. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, if I hope you've got some infra- information, some inspiration from those games too. And now we're going to go on to some electro letters. Oh. In the future, you will be able to send a letter or parcel from anywhere on the planet. This, sir, is the electro letter. We asked you guys for your Savage Con memories. Aww. Mm. Aww. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Isn't that lovely? That's sweet. Um, so we'll get to our favourite memories right at the end. Um, obviously, James, I'm sorry you're not included in this particular part of the podcast there because you, you weren't able to come despite actually helping us out yes. with it. Um, but Jason Milam, he comes in. He was actually a first-time Savage Worlds player. Um He's talking about tough guys. He says, playing tough guys and one of our players went mental berserk and killed about three of the enemy and nearly one of our own. The language comedy and classic role play play that came up. 
Um, also, Andy Roberts, he's talking about tough guys. He says, failing the fear check in tough guys and coming up with the narrative that if Crazy D is ever afraid of somebody, you just need to tell him that someone is a Millwall supporter. <laughs> um, yeah, it was pretty funny because what, what happened was is that um, they, they, they found out the leader of this gang was this uh, this bloke called Mahmoud the Grey Wolf. And uh, everyone's heard of him. He's this big fucking gangster back in Liverpool. And they all did a fear check. And yeah, so it, first of all, Crazy D was like, "Oh no, it's him!" And uh, somebody goes, "He's a Millwall supporter, by the way." He's like, "I'm gonna fucking kill him!" And then <laughs> Harry the Man Masher, meanwhile, he he succeeded on his fear check, and the player um, sort of trapped it that that the uh, that because he succeeded on the fear check, he just never heard of him because he was too stupid. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that who he is, mate. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Um, Eric Lamaru talking about his Wise Guys campaign. He says, uh, "Not campaign." Game at seven twenty says Antonio Banderas being a wedding pre- wedding present for the groom, and the amazing Linda who is a stage magician making a Cessna plane disappear in my Wise Guys game. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's apparently uh, you know the magic that she's able to do isn't real magic, but for some reason he actually made a plane disappear in Eric's Wise Guys game. Alan Rowe he played in a uh, game called Spies, which is a section uh, section a uh, bloody right. setting coming out for Savage Worlds, written by Owen Lean. Mm-hmm. And I heard about this because one of my mates played in this game, and it was um, essentially they have to get into. There's a party being held in a medieval castle, and they have to get in. And this is what what happened. Alan says a female spy halo jumping in a ball gown into a party in a medieval castle, even though we'd blagged invites. <laughs> nice. So yeah, they, That's nice. supposedly what happened was is they're all sort of trying to mingle at the party, trying to find out where the leader is, and uh, she just uh, jumped out of their plane, parachuted in, smashed through the window, and then saw the boss. And the boss is like, "I've been expecting you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, apparently Andy Roberts, he says, not to mention shooting down the villain's helicopter with a Colt Navy, um, which is a what? it's a revolver. <laughs> yeah. I was say, it's a pistol, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so they must have shot the driver. I don't know the full story behind that, but it sounds fucking weird. Yeah, one perfect, amazing shot. I I imagine it, though, when when he heard that story, I imagine the guy just sort of going, looking up, shooting it, you hear this ping, and the the helicopter guy's like, shit, we're going down. (laughs) Shot the side of the helicopter or something. It's like the worst pilot in the world. Um, Richard Wilcock actually, uh, oh shit, we forgot to mention your crazies game, Nick. uh, Oh, God, yeah. To summarise the the crazies real quick, uh, Nick Nick played a game using the trailer park shark attack, uh, uh, you know pregens, and if mm-hmm. you take one wound you die, but you have a stack of twenty four characters, and it was a yep. zombie type game where the characters had to uh, basically get out of a trailer park and uh, basically avoid zombies. Is that right? That's right. Yep, avoid zombies and the military. Yep. Nice. Uh, yeah, Richard Wilcock, he played in that game, and he says, uh, he says, throwing a bunch of Molotov cocktails as a distraction, then making our escape disguised as bin bags. You want to explain yeah. that, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> Mate, it was, it, was, it was the best move ever. So, so my guys, I started up the game in the trailer park, and, um, you know, the, the opening scene where they're all uh, taking part in the, the trailer park Olympics, an annual... Um, an annual event and um you know they're doing the um the legless race and it's uh, uh you know a load of people not them they're watching the legless race bunch of people that are so drunk that they're pretty much legless and trying to run around a circuit of the uh, trailer park anyway that's going on and then there's um some of the ragers or zombies or tweakers as they were calling them because the guys at the trailer park thought that they were uh, drug addicts rather than zombies um, started right. attacking them and yeah so we didn't really get off the first map for pretty much the majority of the game which was interesting so I had about 26 maps to go 
<laughs> and we spent nearly the whole time oh on the first map, which was brilliant because I thought that they would just run, but they didn't. They uh, kind of got on top of the no, trailer park roof for a bit, and then they're like, where there was too many zombies, they had to try and think of distraction. So the idea was throw a Molotov cocktail. The zombies would be attracted by the fire or the explosion. Because there was a load of trash bags outside one of the trailers, they decided to get into the trash bags. And you know, like in um, Fortnite, I guess, when you used to be able to dress as a bush. Just picture yeah, yeah. that, but three bin bags running across from one trailer to the other <laughs> to grab a car to drive away. That's amazing. That's amazing. It was fantastic. I, I, one, of, one of my favourite things, this, this absolutely cracks me up, was that somebody was playing a trailer park Santa, and you said that they used Knowledge Christmas to get down a chimney. <laughs> yeah. So poor Dan, right? So, so he was doing the funnel model where obviously we had a load of characters that were one wound extras rather than wild cards. So, you know, make it a bit more fun and a, and a nice large stack of um, extra characters. None of them died, which was interesting uh, because they did a lot wow. of evasive stuff. And um, yeah, and then so Dan's character was a, like a trailer Christmas, a t- trailer park Santa. And so I thought, so they were like, is it even near Christmas? And I went, you know what? It's Christmas Eve. How about that? And um, so they, so he, he had no kind of practical skills really. But then he was like, so could I use no Christmas and I, in, in a way? And I was like, well, yeah, because, you know, you can use no Christmas to successfully get down um, the chimney. So uh, yeah, use that, mate. And he got down into the inside and let them lot in. <laughs> That's, that's so good. It's so good. Fucking hell. So, I mean, that cracking. is just the most. That's, I love that, like, creative use of, like, something like that. Like, yeah. that's why I sometimes like putting, like, useless skills on, well, su- seemingly useless skills onto a sheet. Like, when we played that ETU one shot recently, and I put knowledge weed on yours, I was like, I don't oh, know, mate, they'll, yes. you'll find a way to use yeah, it. Come in, find yeah, come in handy. And we did. So, you know. Yeah. Um, Daniel Irwin actually comes in. He says, So, from my game, Dark States, it's got to be Ryan Field, so one of his players. Finding a trap door under a manky toilet and commenting, this reminds me of train spotting before diving down it. <laughs> yeah, that was it. That's how we found the uh, secret passage. <laughs> he also mentions the Aliens vs. Rednecks game and he says um, it's the general chaos involving preaching, dancing, and waffles at the beginning. And he says, from Nick Lamley's Savage Crazies, it's got to be the bing bag shuffle camouflage disguise, whatever the fuck that was supposed to be from the party. <laughs> The bin bag thing went down. Well, that was that was all them. That was all them. The players. And um, we we got one last email in the memories, and then we got some general emails. Terry Hansen. He says getting to hang out with a good friend was nice. Not sure who he was talking about. Uh, no, I believe he is. He is talking about me. But um, it's, it was good to hang out with you too, mate. Um, meeting new people was pretty cool too. I really enjoyed being playing the Deadlands Dark Ages game. Being able to use and describe having a magic cult peacemaker in the Dark Ages was sweet. Nice. Sweet. Yeah, I mean that, that is, is that is fucking cool. Like, meanwhile, I'm going at people with a spear and a knife, and he's just shooting them with a gun in the Middle Ages. It was pretty fucking. Imagine, imagine a guy in like full fucking plate mail wielding two fucking revolvers. I mean, that is just fucking badass. He harbors bang pain from his hand. So uh, that's it for the uh, for the memories from SavageCon. Some great uh, some great stories there. So just remember, you know, if you've learned one thing from those memories, that if you if you've got a knowledge skill, use it. Um, yep. But we've got some general emails in. We've got one from Patrick D. German, who says, Gents, I've got a role-playing group right now, and with the plague going on, we're currently between games. We play in a world that we develop as we go, and usually define different areas of the world by exploring different role-playing systems. We use D&D or Pathfinder for the more European-esque areas, Legend of the Five Rings and Sengoku for Japanese influence. We like how different mechanics can help and define a culture on the limitations those mechanics put in place. We've hit a problem, though. 
There is an area of the world that is meant to blend a lot of features of India and Southeast Asia, but we can't find a system that covers that area. I found a couple of setting books that would work, but, but a setting book only does so much for us when we are developing the world. The closest I've found is Devastra, Devastra, but as far as I can tell, it's out of print and only in French. Oh, Any suggestions? <laughs> um, whoa, wow. Yeah, that's, 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 a, that's, that's an interesting way of playing. Technical. But it's a good idea, though, because, yeah, you know, cool. you play each... I guess he plays, like, a campaign-like length session mm-hmm. in each area. That's and you remake your characters in each game, I guess. It's a great India idea. India and Southeast Asia. I've actually, I've actually got an answer for this. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I don't own the book, but... Say what you like about his politics, but unfortunately, this does very much fit the bill. But the RPG pundit wrote a book called Arrows of Indra, which is based on mythic India. So it's like it's basically the, exactly what you want. Mm. Um, is it? Wow. So no, it's our game, and it's based on mythic India, and so it's got magic and and all of this stuff. So it should fit in with your D and D and Pathfinder. So I guess. That's the right answer. That's amazing. But I have to say, you have, the, you, you have a perfect answer. What a fantastic idea, Dave! For, for yeah, a, for I wonder how long of. this campaign's actually running for. I'd like to know a little bit more, actually, Patrick. If you want to share, that'd be interesting to know. That yeah. sounds interesting. I'd I'd like to know, like, are you doing what um, Harrison suggests and doing a full campaign in each bit, mm. or are you actually travelling the world and changing rules like all the time? <laughs> and then when you enter the new um, place you're in the different system. How so fucking annoying be... would that be, though? Like you just you're, you're like you take a boat to some other country, and then suddenly he's like, right, session zero again, and you're like, oh, hang on, we need to head head home again, and then they go back, right, we're switching back to Pathfinder. Or would you have <laughs> would you have versions of your character on various different different character sheets then, and it'd be a case of right, if we're over here, then we got to change dice and change character sheets for this session. Like that's did, did that's what, what I mean. I thought, but then maybe it's like. Okay, so they play a campaign with it, it'll be D and D, right? And they're playing with mm. this set of characters, but they've heard about stuff going on in the East, and now you're playing fucking Legend of the Five Rings. Um, anyway, yeah, let us know, Patrick, as yeah, as, as Nick said, because mm. I'd be interested to know exactly how that works. Because I think that's mm-hmm. a fucking brilliant idea. Uh, John Williams, he says, well, after listening to more of the old shows and the reference to a certain composer that everyone always does when they see my name. I'm going to take a bit of the piss and write a fanfic for you to read. Now, uh, I am sorry because I did make that joke in the last episode, so sorry about that. I mean, I've had it all my life, you know, Harrison Ford. It's not it's not funny, it's not clever, but I did do it. Anyway, so his fanfiction that he's written, he calls it Pounded in the Butt by the Concept of Dungeon Crawling. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that is awesome. One, I'll put some music behind this or something. One day, yeah. as Harrison, Nick, and James were recording an episode of their latest actual play, Harrison was particularly excited as he had converted a wonderful adventure to fit with the progression of the current arc of the podcast. As he was describing the entrance of the dungeon to his favourite true blue buckaroos, a spectral cloud of blue light formed in the middle of the table. A face with aquiline features formed in the middle of the spirit, and it began to speak. Hello, I'm Alan Rickman, and every time we touch, I get this feeling, and every time we sexual intercourse, I swear I could fly. (laughs) As he finished speaking, as is the way of his walk, the green spirit of Gary Busey congealed beside Alan Rickman and began to speak his way. And every time we touch, I feel ecstatic, and every time we do the butt sex, I reach for the sky. Then both... Then both spirits began to spin around each other and to speak in unison. Can't you hear my heart beat so? I can't let you go. I want you in my life. As the words were spoken, they disappeared just as suddenly as they'd appeared. Everyone around the table was stunned for a moment before James began to speak. 
Oh, not this again. No, I can't do that, can I? <laughs> oh, not this again. Harrison, are you ready to begin or what? Cheers. Fucking excellent. That might be the most well-written and poetic thing that's ever been on this podcast. <laughs> I feel like I want to cry, you know? That was beautiful. That was... Wow, Jesus. Okay, well, we got one more question in, and we'll, we'll we'll try and keep this one brief before we sign off for today. And it is coming from Victor Ulansky. How much does it? How much time does it take to publish your ideas through Drive Through RPG? How much time went into editing your publications? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> uh, I, I I don't know, man. It, it really depends. At the moment, we slowed down a bit during the old uh, Corona and stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean. If you look at actual time, we do spend months on them. But the thing is that we just do a little bit here, a little bit there. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as for you know the time editing, that's probably the hardest part. I usually yeah. do that, and it's it, the reason that you hire an editor outside of your company is because they will catch things that you won't. Um, mm-hmm. But we're trying to keep the overheads to an absolute minimum. So I have done the editing, but I'll read it, read it, reread it, and still I'll find fucking mistakes, and it is bloody oh. annoying and it is grueling. Yeah. And we both have to, yeah, and it's crazy because, like, the last one we did, I must have read three times and then, you know, four times, and then you're always finding an extra little bit. But that's the, the actually getting it down on paper is the easiest part. Um, it's the it's the aftercare that's the hardest. Um, but and I would suggest... Just be prepared, you know, to hate the thing that you were really excited <laughs> yeah. about by the end yeah. of it. It's like... And, don't get, and it... don't get mad if you, you know, if you start to lose the kind of inspiration for it, just put it aside for a for a couple of days or, or whatever don't you know don't grawl over it just just let yeah, yeah. just let it yeah, and that's just that you know saying. if you it's because we write it together you know mm-hmm. we actually have a lot more fun because we can kind of be like if if we there is a lull we can just insert a new idea to it and yeah. still like bounce off each other and have a laugh exactly. about it yeah yeah i imagine if i was writing fun. on my own i don't think i would get get this stuff actually finished because i just oh, get definitely not bored with it no, I totally agree. Yeah, so that's the yeah, or yeah, bounce ideas off of people. That's good as well. Truthfully, on the editing side, I probably spent three full like work days, do, like actually rereading, rereading, re-editing, testing it. You know, like little things like this, and and running through the adventure in my head. And Nick as well did a lot of that too. Um, so. Yeah, that's the longest part. Actually, to publish mm-hmm. the ideas and get out, down onto paper, that's piss easy. What you got to do is really, um, if you've got a good idea, just get it down, just type, type, type until you've got a whole bag of ideas and then trim yeah. it off and then you yeah. got, you'll have something fucking good. Absolutely. That's all we've done. I mean, mm-hmm. I really like our products. They're, they're budget stuff, but I think the way they look and the way they turned out, I'm happy with them. So, yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, it's, it. it's as simple as that. Just, mm-hmm. I'd say actually the writing, how long do you reckon it took in, in terms of actual hours? Yeah, maybe 10, 10 to 12 hours total writing and then and then it's the editing part that's, and the, yeah, and the layout that's, that, that takes a lot of time. I mean, the, th- the thing is as well, like our first two, um, first two publications are system agnostic really. They have systems in mind but they're, they're, they that means there's not a lot of stats. Um, yeah that kind of part is left up to the GM. We did price things, we did we did have some stats in there, but with the adventure, that took a lot longer because I I, I ended up having to stat a bunch of new monsters and yeah. things like this, and then you have to test them to make sure they work and things like this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I mean, it really, really depends on what you're making, but what making an adventure took us a lot longer, and it was really fun, but yeah. 
that's yeah. that's basically the answer. It's not very funny though. So uh... no, sorry. But I'll tell you what was funny. Did you see? Did you see the comment on mm. Facebook when uh, one of the guys was like, "Oh, I didn't realise it was these guys that did the podcast that did the convention." <laughs> I tell you, you know what was really was really quite flattering. Uh, I got I got recognised at Savage Net. Um, obviously, that, I don't think it counts because it's not in real life. But I did. Yeah. Somebody said um, they were like. Uh, if something on the lines of oh, I, I knew I recognised your name from somewhere, and he, he's he's read tough guys, and he gushed to me about how great he thought hey, he was. Nice, it was amazing. It was really nice, but it was really awkward for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get on and do the outro, shall we? Yeah. Cause every time we Roll dice. Have full sexual intercourse. I swear Play Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Do a butt sex. Yeah. All right, guys. Th- hey, James, thank you very much for coming on again, man. It's re- it's good to see you for a change. Yeah. How, how long has it yeah, been, how long nice. has it been since we've hung out now? Two, three years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, maybe about ten. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. Well. Anyway, thanks for coming on. And um, hopefully, you know, we're, we'll be. We do have plans actually, the three of us, to record some sort of one-off actual plays during the yes. uh, the the pandemic. So mm-hmm. we're hopefully going to do do a tough guys um, short uh, mm-hmm. one-off and maybe some other shit too. But we we don't know yet. Um, but yeah, just just stay tuned, dear listener. Stuff coming. I said yeah. So keep stay tuned. There's new stuff on the horizon. Oh yeah, and uh, which which reminds me, if you want to support the show, the best way really you can do that is to either go over to our Patreon and subscribe for any amount that you fancy, or buy one of our products. Um, search Three T RPG Publishing on Drive Through RPG. That's what keeps the lights on, pays the bills. Okay. Oh yeah. So if you don't, if you don't, then our computers will be taken away, and we'll <laughs> stop doing this. <laughs> yep. Just remember that. Repos- Repossessed. Yeah, no, yeah, a massive, get... mass, massive welcome to uh, Jameson White and Ace B and uh, Ken McLeanan. So welcome aboard. Thank you very much for joining Patreon. And also Julian Burnick joined recently. Yes. The Julian Burnick oh of my DCC God, fame. I know. No freaking Pretty way. exciting. Unbelievable. Yeah. But yeah, so Thank yeah, just do much. that if you want to support the show. And if you want to contact us, we're on all the social medias. And our mm-hmm. email address is 3trpgpod at gmail.com. So, uh, just we'll just sign off now, and uh, I'll just say I've been Harrison Hunt, I've been Nick Lamley, and I've been James Clark. And remember that D20s are cool, but 20Ds, now that's a good time. Oh yes, <laughs> unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>